You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. Faith must be tried for it to be real faith. How can you say that it's faith if you can predict your outcome with comfort and ease? How can you say it's faith if you don't have to trust God every step of the way to see you through your dilemma? So God allows circumstances to ensue in our lives to create an atmosphere and an environment that requires and demands faith in Him. Do you ever find yourself stuck in a dilemma where there appears to be no way out? You struggle and strive to find your way out, but everything you do fails. Pastor Gary tells us today that God purposefully creates these problems that require and demand us to walk in faith. True faith must be tried. God is most interested in bringing us closer to Himself, and He does this by testing our faith. Let's be glad when these dilemmas come, because you are about to know God in a deeper and more powerful way. Now, here's Pastor Gary in the book of Luke, chapter 22, as he begins his message, It's Time to Overcome. Luke, chapter number 22, and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. For those of you that know your Bible, how else do we know Simon? What's his other name? Peter, there you go. Y'all know Peter, that old loudmouth preacher. <laughs> Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. This, of course, being Jesus speaking to Peter. And watch what he says in verse 32, but, and I like it when God butts into your life, don't you? But, I have prayed for thee <laughs> that thy faith fail not. And you thought it was your faith. The only reason your faith works is because Jesus has already prayed. And pre- Jesus don't pray unanswered prayers. I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Doesn't the Bible call him the author and finisher of our faith? Amen. All right, verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. How many of you know that just was an indicator that he wasn't listening to what Jesus just said? Amen, ready to speak, but not ready to listen. And he said, verse 34, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to give you my title, but you're going to see at the conclusion of the sermon why I named it this. All right? My subject today is it's time to overcome in God's presence. Today, Father, help me to preach what I believe you have instructed me to preach with your touch. Wash me in your blood. Fill me with your spirit. Clothe me with humility and hide me behind the cross. May Jesus alone be seen and heard. In his name we pray. Amen. 
because of verse 32, we know before the story ends that Peter is going to overcome this trial of faith. But it does not eliminate the necessity of going through his trial. Peter is very relatable, if not to some of us, to most of us. Most of us probably better relate to Peter than we do any other New Testament character because the Holy Spirit uh, inspired Scripture to reveal to us His humanity so that we could understand that no matter how messed up we are, that God is still able to use us for His glory. And I appreciate Peter if for no other reason than for that one alone. Because like Peter, sometimes I get hot-headed. And don't look at me with that pharisaical look. You do too. Somebody say amen. amen. And like Peter, I get loud-mouthed and say stuff before I think. Mm-hmm. Like Peter, I, I'm very quick to brag and very slow to admit I was wrong. Amen. Like Peter, I'm quick to say what I can do, and I get real quiet when it is revealed that I can't do anything. Very hard to be a Peter, isn't it? Amen. And uh, I know Peter was a Baptist because of all of these characteristics. Amen. And uh, he was certainly a Baptist in the South. Now, I didn't say Southern Baptist. I said a Baptist in the South. Not all Baptists in the South are Southern Baptists, but every Baptist that lives in the South is a Baptist in the South. Amen. I know that from experience that whether you're preaching to an independent Baptist or a Southern Baptist, they're all human. And I know we pick on the Baptists, but this is not uh, just reserved for the Baptists. This is re reserved for all of humanity. We have this dilemma that's my first point we have this dilemma god has indeed prayed for us i know that jesus didn't just pray for peter to overcome because if you look at the lord's prayer and i believe it's john chapter 17 he said neither pray i for these alone but also for them which believe on me and you'll know then that Jesus intercedes for all of us. In fact, I believe it's the writer of Hebrews that said, He ever liveth to make intercession for you and I. You need to know that Jesus even currently and presently is in your corner as a believer praying that your faith will fail not. That's powerful. And remember, Jesus does not pray unanswered prayers. I know that I am an overcomer, not because of my strength, but because of His. But the dilemma is this. Look at Peter. The Bible said, Jesus told him that Satan hath desired to have him. The Greek word from which we get that word desired literally means to demand for trial. Satan is basically, essentially, Telling Jesus what Satan told God the Father about Job. If you will let me at him, he'll crack under pressure. 
This is not an uncommon occurrence for the accuser of the brethren to ask to put you to the test. And I just get excited about the fact that it has to get permission in order to put me to the test. Amen. Do you realize how powerful a position you have with your father that the devil can't even touch you without God's permission? And some people get tripped up over the fact that God would even allow Satan to put us to the test. But you need not to concern yourself with matters too big for your thinking. And I say that about myself as well. We need not concern ourselves with matters too big for our ability to think and process. That's the Father's business. He knows why, and there is a purpose, and God is always just in everything that He allows to happen in your life, whether you are in the know or not. We sing the song, we'll understand it better by and by. I may not ever know on this side of heaven why the trials come, but God knows and nothing has escaped his eye. Nothing's got past his guard in your life. And that tells me that you are just as secure in the middle of your testing as you were before the test even started because the devil had to get permission to even head your way. Wow. Woo. Mm. So he wants to put Peter to the test. And at first I was disturbed that Jesus didn't just flat out tell him no. I would rather the Lord just say, no, you can't mess with him. Wouldn't you? But the Lord does something even better. He prays that our faith doesn't fail. Why is that important? It's important because without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith must be tried for it to be real faith. How can you say that it's faith if you can predict your outcome with comfort and ease? How can you say it's faith if you don't have to trust God every step of the way to see you through your dilemma? So God allows circumstances to ensue in our lives to create an atmosphere and an environment that requires and demands faith in Him. And he's all the wiser for it. And we're all the better for it. Because God knows how to take even the evil that's come up against us and make it good. Get something good out of it. To get glory out of it. Read Romans 8.28. Amen. And I see here uh, there's some sifting that Satan wants to sift him. I've probably referenced this before, but I'm going to say it again in case some of you missed it. That to sift is the process of separating the wheat from the tares. It's like a filter. Uh, but let me tell you something. The devil's not interested in separating the wheat from the tares so that he could gather up all of the wheat and present it to the Father. The devil's interested in separating the wheat from the tares so that he can hide the wheat and display nothing but your tares before the father he wants to show evidence to the father of your wrongdoing and why god's favor should never be allowed to exist in your life 
That's why he's the accuser of the brethren. That's why he wants to put you to the test so that he can try to prove to God that faith is not working for you. He really wants to try to catch God in a lie, but it's never worked. Amen. It's never worked. And Peter's dilemma is that the devil has some dirt on him and it's not looking good. If you were to be honest with me, would you admit that if the devil looked, it wouldn't take him long to find some dirt on you? Oh, isn't that all of our dilemma? We come to church and we dress our best and we put our best foot forward and we wouldn't dare let people know what's really going on in our lives. We wouldn't dare let people know what we really thought when we put a fake smile on and pretend like what they said didn't bother you, but on the inside you wish you could rip their head off. Maybe not that dramatic, but something like that. You know how we do, though. We have so much dirt that we try to sweep up under the rug, pretend like it don't exist. The only problem is that pile of dirt up under the rug is taller than your head. And the rug is up here somewhere, so everybody can see it anyway. You just, you're only deceiving yourself to think that nobody notices. Mm-hmm. We can try to hide it, but the reality is we are like Peter. It won't take long for the devil to sift around in our life and get us tripped up and bring evidence before the Father that we're just a hopeless cause. You know, even 2 Corinthians 2.11 said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The devil is really looking for leverage to strip you of any and all rights as a child of God from benefiting from the grace of God. Because the devil is still working on a works-based religion. Because the devil never shall be saved by the grace of God, the only weapon he can use against you and I is the weapon of man-made or devil-made fabricated religion. A stacking up uh, the good against the bad and the ugly. And then trying to hide any evidence of fruit and good and display as accusatorily as he can your filth before God Almighty. And you need to know that's what the devil's up to in your life. And that's why if you do succumb to temptation and you end up sinning as a believer, you do give place to the devil. You give him some leverage over you and you lose some of that favor with God. I didn't say you lose your salvation, but you can certainly lose your testimony. You can certainly lose your saltiness, your effectiveness as a child of God in this world. And the dilemma is the devil's got too much to work with. How much of a lease do we give the devil? When he comes to put us to the test, how much do we just open the door and just let him on in, take what he wants? The problem with some of us is that we don't keep our guard up enough. The problem with some of us is we're too easily tripped up by the devil. And we need to be willing and able to learn to live the life of the overcomer that positionally in Christ we already are. My subject is it's time to overcome. The devil is a master illusionist. He uses detours and he uses big flashing signs and he uses 
distractions to pull you away from the presence of the good shepherd. If he could just get you out away from the shepherd, if he could just get you out away from the flock, and if he could just get you out away from the church, and if he could just get you out of Sunday school, and if he could just get you to stop going to hear the preaching of the word, and if he could just get you all by yourself, then the wolf might have him a lunch. Mm -hmm. And this is our dilemma that we give him too much to work with. Because we are not as aware of the actual fight as the devil is. I said he's a master illusionist. Why He'll lead you into a place that you think is green pasture. When you get there, you realize it's because there's a septic tank right underneath your feet. Mm-hmm. You thought it was good pasture until you got there. And then you figured out it was astroturf. Fake. It was an illusion. But now you're starving because you bit the bait. Amen. And we, like Peter, are tempted to fall for it. We, like Peter, are prone to wonder. This is the dilemma of humanity. This is the dilemma of every honest Christian on the God's green earth. And he who says he has no sin is a liar, the Bible said, and the truth is not in him. Don't you sit there and pretend like you're holier than everybody else and you have no sin and you have no problems and you're better than everybody and if they just live by your standards, the whole world would be a whole lot better place. My friend, the devil really got you good. I mean, he's got you snowed over, baby. He got the wool over your eyes. Amen. This is our dilemma. Not only do I see Peter's dilemma, I see his disillusionment. Look at verse 33 again. And he said unto him, Lord... I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. What I think happened here, to be honest, is Peter, (laughs) he was so disappointed at the idea that he was not as good as he believed himself to be. So he began to defend himself. Y'all ever had the truth brought up against you and instead of admitting it, you started defending yourself? Why do we go into self-defense mode even when we're wrong? Because of our pride. Amen. And because of the disillusionment, we have this false notion that we're stronger and better than we really are. And I, 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 my goal and my aim is not to make anyone feel worse about themselves than they already do, but to just have an open and honest conversation that we're all a mess without Jesus. I even hate to use the expression, but from the top down, from the bottom up, and everywhere between, every single one of us is a mess without Jesus. And sometimes we're a mess even with Jesus in our lives. Just a train wreck waiting to happen, if it hadn't already. Amen. We are disillusioned when we think that we're stronger than we really are. I think this reveals to us the reality that sometimes we put too much stock in our own strength and not enough in His. When you rely on something that is not strong enough to withhold the pressure, it caves. That's why uh, engineers go to great efforts when they draw up blueprints for new designs for buildings, for example. They want to make sure that the design that they're proposing will withstand the pressure that's going to be put on that structure to hold it up. 
And many of us are ready to build an entire ministry off of our wit, off of our intellect, off of our talent, and ain't none of that strong enough to hold it up. None of it strong enough. What we need is to find our true source of strength. And it's not in ourselves. And it's not in our pastor. It's not in our deacons. Amen. It's not in our favorite church members. Y'all, y'all know y'all have favorites. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> our strength is in the Lord. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3 teaches us that we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. The weaker you are willing to admit that you are in the flesh, the stronger you will become in your spirit. It is when you live in the false pretense that you're strong enough in your flesh to resist temptation and fight off the devil, that's when you're in your most vulnerable position. And some of you keep getting ran over and stomped down and and Satan keeps pulling up the whoop, and there come the tears again. Lord, I thought I had that whoop. The problem is we're not living in the victory that's provided for us. We're still trying to do it ourselves. Romans 7, 18 says, For I know that in me, this is Paul writing to the church there in Rome, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good i find not even the great paul the apostle admitted his own personal struggle with the weakness of the flesh and i honestly wish that more churches would just be willing to take off the fake and the facade and just be real just be real now, I don't want to have a testimony service and where you hang out all your dirty laundry. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, some things you just keep between you and God and get under the blood and we'll just keep moving, okay? But don't pretend like everything's okay when it's not. Because what you're not willing to admit and confess to God and get some help for, you'll never heal from. Amen. Just have a demeanor of humility and a reliance upon the Lord at all times. And be quick to tell people. If they brag on you, if they talk about you, say, it's not me, it's him. All glory to God. I can assure you. You know, I get compliments from time to time. And I have to say quickly to God be all the glory, all the credit, all the honor. Because if you knew what was holding up what God's doing in my life, you would quickly realize it's not Gary Caudill. <laughs> Oh, no, I can't do this, and neither can you. Neither can you. But I say this morning, it's time to overcome. It's time to realize that even though there is this dilemma of the sifting and there's this disillusionment of the strength of self, that God has a work and a purpose that He wants to complete in our lives, regardless of the struggle. We're not as good as we think we are. We need Christ's help every step of the way. And the sooner we realize that, the better off we'll be. Somebody say amen. 
So we've looked at his dilemma and his delusionment. Let me say thirdly, I want to look at his day in court. Verse 34, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice or three times deny that thou knowest me. Man, he was put to the test. And even before he was put to the test, Jesus went ahead and let him in on a little secret. You're not going to win this test. Today's teaching is coming to an end, but you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Here at True North, we encourage all of our listeners to dive into Scripture regularly on your own. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to guide your reading and reveal God's truth to you. Thanks for joining Pastor Gary Cottle today for True North. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new edition. If you'd like to learn more about True North or Pastor Gary, visit GaryCoddle.com. Would you like to plan a visit to worship and study the Bible with Pastor Gary? You can find all the information you need about where he pastors and how you can visit at GaryCoddle.com. If you're not in the area, we do encourage you to find and begin attending a Bible-teaching church near you. Find a family of faith that you can invest in and who will encourage you in your own walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or would like to find out how you can support Gary Cottle Ministries and True North, please reach out to Pastor Gary. He can be reached at contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on True North.